Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights, and we're so glad that you found us online. You know, at Heights, it is our desire to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places, on Facebook and on YouTube, on Instagram. We even have our own website where we're constantly posting things as well. If you're checking us out for the first time, you can go to heightschurch.org connect and let us know that you found us. And once again, we're so glad that you're here. Class, First Kings chapter 19 does not open in the way we think it ought to open. See, if you go back into 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah has experienced revival. Elijah has seen a powerful move of God. Uh, there is a showdown between Elijah and the Baal worshipers. Now, the Baal worshipers uh, and Elijah were at odds. God has judged the nation of Israel for three and a half years uh, with a drought because they have been worshiping the God of Baal. And God then sends Elijah to the top of Mount Carmel, and they have a showdown. 450 Baal worshipers versus Elijah. And Elijah says, okay, you guys put an altar over here. I'm going to put an altar over there, and we're going to put a sacrifice on that altar, and you're going to pray to your God, and I'm going to pray to my God, and we're going to see whose God shows up, and then whosoever God rains down fire and burns up that offering, that's the real one true God. And so it's 450 verses 1. You know, in the world of professional wrestling, there's something called a handicap match. You know, when a handicap match is declared in wrestling, it's usually two-on-one or three-on-one. And so it's obviously the, the one person's handicapped. He's got to fight or she's got to fight two people or three people. But in this showdown, it's a reverse handicap match. Because, see, Elijah can stand there and say, listen, you have 450 yahoos that are fighting against me right now. You're handicapped. Because all I've got to do is call one person out of the locker room to run down that aisle into this ring, and it's all over. And that's what he does. He calls down God and asks God from fire from heaven to come down, and God in 1 Kings chapter 18 does that, burns up the offering, shows that he's the one true God, and Elijah is revived. He is brought into revival. He is worshiping the Lord in a fresh new way. For some of us, that's Sunday. We come in on Sundays and we get to see each other and we get to sing and we're excited. You get to go to life group and hear a good lesson and maybe eat a good snack. And you come in here and, you know, you might think, well, Lee preached a halfway decent sermon. All right, he gave it his best that week. But, but you leave revived, refreshed, renewed, excited in your faith on Sunday. And then Monday comes. And maybe it's not Monday, but maybe it's Tuesday. Maybe it's not Tuesday, it's Wednesday. And you can move out of a period of revival right into dryness very easily. And so we're wrapping up this series called Dryness, how we find faith in times of trouble this week. Because what we've been saying through this series is dryness comes to us spiritually when our pain becomes greater than our God. When our problems become greater than our God. When there's unconfessed sin within our lives, when we take our eyes off the Lord, and what we've been looking through this series is how God revives us, how he refreshes us, and, and that's revival. Revival is a fresh work of the Holy Spirit 
in your life. Revival is a, a renewed sense of purpose in your relationship with the Lord. Revival is being re-energized to kingdom work. This is pictures of revival. And God's a God that restores us. God's a God that doesn't want us to stay dry. And so we've said through this series, there's things we need. And we need the promises of God when we're dry. We need to know that God is always with us, that God knows us, uh, that God is our wonderful creator. And then in week two, we said we need community. We need each other. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25, where it says, provoke one another, stir one another up to love and good works, not forsaking the assemblies of yourselves as, together, as some do. As you see the day approaching, help each other follow Jesus. Be each other's cheerleaders and encouragers in dry period. And then last week we said we need rest. When we're dry, we, we need physical rest, but we also need spiritual rest. And that's where Jesus last week said, you take my yoke upon you. You know, give me your yoke. Take my yoke. My burden is light and I will give you rest. Well, this morning I want you to meet this man by the name of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 because he's going to move out of a period of revival to dryness very quickly. And I want you to notice what happens in 1 Kings 19. We're going to pick up in verse 1. When dryness comes. I want you to notice what happens when dryness comes. It says Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Notice verse 3. Then Elijah was afraid. He arose and ran for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Then verse 4. He went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. We see Elijah at the beginning of this chapter, like we said, not opening the way we thought it would at the end of chapter 18. He's on the run for his life. And there are two characters that are introduced into verse 1 that you might not know, or, or, or let me just introduce them to you if you're new, uh, is Ahab and Jezebel. See, Ahab and Jezebel, that's the king and queen of the northern kingdom of Israel. And the Bible says these were evil people. I mean, the way that 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33 describes uh, Ahab is this way. He said, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord than all other the kings before him, right? Would you want that as a description? I mean, that, God's saying, look, Ahab, a lot of the previous kings made me mad. You've done more than all of them to make me mad. Like, yeah, I mean, you are a wicked guy. And then his wife, Jezebel, 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, she's out killing the prophets of God. She's out destroying their lives, killing them physically. She, she wants them dead because they're Baal worshipers and they're trying to lead the people to worship Baal. This couple essentially makes Bonnie and Clyde look like saints, if you will. That's who they are. And you notice something? 
Verse 2, she puts a hit out on Elijah. I want him dead. I'm going to put a bounty on his head. And you look at verse 3 again, just look right there in your Bible. What does it say? It said, and he was afraid. Elijah heard the news. He got the text message, and he was afraid. You know, one way you can translate that out of the Hebrew is this, when he saw. Think about that. Wasn't he just heard it, he saw it. When he saw the threat, he was afraid. He entered into the wilderness, he left his servant, he said, all right, I'm going into the wilderness, I'm going by myself. This is what dryness will do to you sometimes. It will isolate you from others when you need others. And, And Elijah's now off into the wilderness. He's by himself. He becomes dry spiritually because he's taken his eyes off the Lord. And know this, that dryness comes in our lives when our problems become bigger than our God. When your problem, your financial problem, your medical problem, your work problem, your relationship problem, whatever that problem is, when that becomes bigger than your God, then dryness is going to enter in. And that's Elisha. And then in verse 4, Elijah says, Lord, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to live anymore. I, I'm done, Lord. I, I'm, I'm done serving you. I, I, I'm done. I, I don't want to live. I'm just going to lay down here, and, and Lord, I hope that you just take me. I want to die. I mean, Elijah's not the first prophet of God to say that. Moses said that. Jonah said that. Jeremiah said that. And here we have Elijah. God, I'm done. I want to give up on life. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever had that thought? My life's not worth living anymore. I'm done. I want to give up. Listen, if, if that's you, I want to just talk right to you for a moment. I want you to know your life is worth living. That if you ever have that thought, You need to be reminded that God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son into this world to die on a cross for you, to give you eternal life, that you matter and your life is worth fighting for because God has made you in his very own image. And if you struggle with that at any point, you find help. You come out of the shadows. You tell someone you trust that that's a thought in your mind. You come and find me. You come and find a trusted friend. We will find you help because life is worth fighting for and your life is worth fighting for. So when dryness comes, it can isolate us from the Lord. Our problems seem bigger than our God. But I want you to notice what God does. That in periods of dryness, God is still providing for us. See, when we're dry, God is still at work, and he's providing for us. I want you to pick up in verse 6. In verse 6, we see that this angel of the Lord has shown up, and it says, the angel says to him, and he looked, and behold, there was uh, at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time, and he touched him, and he said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and he drank with it in the strength of the food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. You know, it's during dry periods that we often think God's not working. God's not answering my prayers. That God feels distant. 
that I don't see a way out of this situation, that this problem's too great for me, that there's no hope for me. But what you have to understand in dry periods, God is still working in your life. Whether you can see it or not, he is always at work because he's a God of restoration. He's a God of revival. He's a God that wants to bring us out of these dry periods that we get in. And so he provides for Elijah. He's providing physically for him. He says, Elijah, here's food. Here's bread. Here's here's cake. And he says, Elijah, here's a nap. Sleep. I mean, so the angel of the Lord shows up and, yes, gives Elijah food and says, take a nap. It's going to make you feel better. Eat a little bit and sleep. You know, don't discount those gifts. Those are great gifts of God when we're dry. The importance of eating and sleeping regularly are important to us. God uses those minor gifts that we take advantage of to bring about revival. But I want you to notice something else God does in verse 7. Is he gives him companionship. He not only provides for him physically, he gives him companionship. Do you notice the angel of the Lord came again? A second time and talked to him and said, Elijah, get up and, and eat again. That, that journey's too great for you. You know, I was thinking about uh, this this week on, you know, that, that bread and that, you know, the, the angel showing up and saying, Elijah, here's some food. Elijah, rest. You know, God could have given that food to him anyway. You know, we could have thought, all right, well, he could have done what he did for the nation of Israel in the wilderness period and, and just rained manna down from heaven. Yeah, Elijah could have just woken up and there it comes, it's just floating right on down. He could have said, hey, Elijah, you're, you're thirsty? Hey, just take your staff and remember what Moses did and he hit the staff on the rock and water gushed out? He could have done it that way. But you know what he did? When Elijah was alone, when Elijah needed somebody, when Elijah was dry, he gave him a friend, if you will. He gave him a companion. He sent the angel of the Lord there to talk to him, to minister to him. That's why we need community. That's why I encourage you to be plugged into a local church, get into a life group, find a friend, because you need that in your life. I need that in my life. We all need people when we get dry spiritually to come alongside of us and and be a friend and help us and say, no, keep following the Lord. And, And that's what he gave Elijah. So when you're dry... God is still providing for you. But notice also this. When you're dry, God is restoring you. And when you're dry, God is restoring you. He's a God that restores us. We pick up in verse 9. It says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said, go out, stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord God passed by in a great strong wind toward the mountains and broke into pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Pick up in verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Verse 13, Elijah heard it. 
wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And when you come back to verse 9, we see beginning this picture of restoration. Elijah, in this dry period, the Lord has provided for him. He's providing for him physically. Now he's providing for him spiritually. He's restoring him back on mission. And, and the Lord comes to him. And I want you just to look at verse 9 again. And I want you to think about how you read that verse. What was the tone of voice in your head when you read it? See, the, the Lord comes and he speaks. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? How did you read it? You know, for some of you, you may have read it as a, as a harsh tone. You may have had a harsh father, a harsh parent growing up to you that spoke to you harshly. But I read verse 9 not in a harsh tone. Elijah, what are you doing here? I read verse 9 this way in my own mind. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, why are you here? I read it in a tone of care and love and grace. Because verse 12 says that, how did the Lord speak to Elijah later? He, he didn't speak to him in the fire. He didn't speak to him in the strong wind. He didn't speak to him in the earthquake. But what does it say, verse 12? He spoke to him in a whisper. If you have an NIV uh, version, it says this. He, he spoke to him in a gentle whisper. He spoke to him gently. See, understand this, that God at times in our lives will speak loudly. There are times we need to hear the voice of the Lord in a loud tone, but often he speaks in whispers to you and me. It's a whisper of the Holy Spirit when you're praying. And the Lord puts something on your mind and your heart. It's a whisper when you're reading the text and you might be out of verse where you go, where's that been all my life? I've been reading this Bible forever, and I've looked at this passage 10, 15 times. And how in the world has that jumped out at me today and ministering to me in that way? No, 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 that's, that's God's whisper at that moment getting your attention. See, in revival, learn to listen to God. Learn to listen to God when he shouts. But learn to listen to him in the whisper. In those moments and times when you need to get alone with him, away from the noise, away from the social media, away from the radio, away from the songs and the TV, and just get alone with the Lord. Bring out your Bible and pray and read and ask God to just whisper at times. Put up those antennas to hear Him. He's ministering to you. He's talking to you. He's restoring you because here's what revival is. It's a restoration back on the mission in which God is calling you to. See, when God revives us, he renews us, and he puts us back on mission. And so Elijah is coming out of this dry period, and now the Lord is restoring him back to mission because now here's the call, here's the restoration. Verse 15, and the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel, the king over Syria, and, and you shall anoint Jehud to be king over Israel. In verse 16, you shall anoint Elijah to be the prophet in your place. There's three men he is going now to anoint, Hazel and Jehud and Elisha. And what God is saying right there is, Elijah, stay faithful right now. 
and prepare, equip others for the work I'm going to call them to do. Church, in this season, stay faithful to what God is calling us to do. Stay faithful right now and equip others for the work of the ministry. Church, be that kind of a church. Let's stay faithful right now, continuing to raise up and equip people to the work that God is calling them to do. See, that's a picture of revival. It's listing you up out of the dryness. It's restoring you again. It's re-energizing you for kingdom work, for what God has called you to do. It's finding that freshness again in your relationship with the Lord and then helping others find that revival as well. What is God calling you to do today? How is he reviving you in that way? What is a way in which you can serve in this local church? What is a way that God's calling you to serve right now? Not just to be served, but to serve. There's plenty of ways in a local church to serve. There's, there's things that people are going to see that you do. There's going to be a lot of things that you do that no one will see, but they'll feel the impact of. You know, somebody makes sure each week you have pens to write with and offering envelopes out there. Somebody makes sure each week these lights are on and the AC is programmed. Amen. Right? You know, I, I'm going to point them out in this service because they're sitting here. You know, Benny Jr. And, and Brandy Garza. Every time we have a baptism, come over on Saturday. They fill up that baptism tub for us. They get that ready. They make sure it's warm. Sometimes they do that really well. Sometimes they miss it on the temperature. But that's okay. I'm good with that. But you know what? Praise God for them. You know, praise God for that. You, you, you don't know that, but you see that. So how's he calling you to use your spiritual gifts, your calling within a local church? How's he calling you to serve in your community? Maybe it's to serve in the gathering place where you're coming alongside those that are struggling with dementia and Alzheimer's and you're providing respite for the caregivers. Maybe it's Meals on Wheels. Maybe it's in your local school where you as a parent can serve your teacher of the, uh, of the class that they teach your student in. Maybe as a parent, you've got a kid playing ball and a ball team or music and band and theater. How can you serve those other parents? How can you serve a neighbor? How can you serve a friend today? Who's a friend in your life that needs a phone call, a text message, a meal, some way for you to come alongside of them and just help them right now? How can you serve that person? See, God revives us back to mission. What's that mission he's calling you to? Maybe it's a, a call of vocational ministry for you to go and to be a missionary. Maybe it's the call to say, I want to be a pastor. I want to work with children. I want to work with students. I want to lead worship in a local church. Maybe it's that kind of call. How's God calling you today? Maybe it's not a, a revival call, but maybe it's an awakening that you need. See, a, an awakening and a revival are different. A revival is reawakening someone who has been alive in Christ that has entered a dry season. But awakening is someone who hasn't come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior yet. 
See, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you are dead in your trespasses and sins, but it is God who makes you alive together with Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe that's you today. You need to say, look, I don't know Jesus as my Savior, and I want to come to know Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life so that my sins are forgiven and that I have eternal life with God now that lasts all through eternity when I die. Maybe today that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe today it's God calling you to be baptized, just like Lauren was at the beginning of our 1030 service. You've not done that as a believer in Jesus Christ yet. Revival comes when we answer the call that God is putting on our lives. It comes when we are restored, renewed, refreshed, back into the mission in which he's given us. I want to thank you for joining us and watching today's message and I want to just go over a quick story with you that's a really important story in the Bible, and it means a lot to me. It's about a man by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a guy who pretty much grew up going to church all his life. And one night he comes to Jesus, and it's late in the evening, and he sits down with Jesus, and he essentially asks him a question. Jesus, how do I go to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in John chapter 3 that you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus asked a very practical question. We all would think, well, how in the world can someone be physically born twice? But Jesus wasn't talking about a second physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth, that you have to be born again. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that without Christ, our spirits are dead, and we're not able to worship God and love God and honor God. But then when we come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus helps us to be born again. He gives us new birth and our spirits come alive. And so Ephesians chapter 2 again then says, Then by grace you have been saved. It's not a work of yourself. It's the work of Jesus in your life. But listen, that has to be received. You have to receive that gift of grace in your life and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And simply put it this way, Did Jesus do everything He possibly could do to save you on the cross? Or is there something else out there? Is He the only way or are there other ways? You know, the way to be saved is to say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And friend, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future. And when you die, one day He will take you to be with Him in heaven. And so when you think about the wonderful promises of Jesus, I want to encourage you today, right where you are, to receive them and believe in Him. And so if you are ready to do that today, let's just bow in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you in your heart today to mean these words because this is what God says, that when we believe in our hearts that Jesus has died on the cross for us, that we can be saved. So would you pray with me? You can simply say, Dear God, today I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm placing my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and one day taking me to heaven to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to thank you so much today for watching our message and encourage you. If you've prayed today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please let us know so we can come alongside of you and encourage you, help you take your next step of faith. 
You can connect with us at our website, heightschurch.org connect. You can even leave a comment here on this YouTube page and we'll be in touch with you because we want to just come alongside of you and help you take that next step of faith. So until next time, thank you for joining us today and we'll see you soon.